Welcome to the podcast of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming and progressive Unitarian Universalist congregation, deeply committed to love and justice. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. if you want. That's all right. You can sing from your seat if you want. You can sing standing. This one goes like this. Yeah. 
Now you may be seated unless you are a child and you are in the balcony right now and you think you might want to participate in the time for all ages that happens next, then you might want to start coming downstairs now. You don't have to. It's okay. Just if you want to. So, hi. My name is Ashley. I'm one of the ministers among you. I want to tell you a story. The pastor who preceded me at the last church I served was there for over 30 years. Yeah, um, he started about the time I was born. <laughs> he loved everyone and everything in that church, including the boiler of their old building. He was, in fact, the pastor not only to the people, but to that boiler which is to say he was the one who managed it with all the finesse and care a very old boiler needs. And the problem was that when he wasn't there anymore, the building got a little cold and nobody else knew what to do. Nobody else knew how to warm it up. So I spent my first few years in ministry there chasing down warmth, which is to say figuring out all the proverbial boilers he had been tending without anybody knowing it. Lucky for us here at First Universalist, our own beloved Reverend Jen is not in charge of the boiler. We are not cold while she is away doing exactly the ministry and the heart work that she is called to in the wake of her father's death. And no matter how organized and wise a human, their absence always leaves some challenges we cannot anticipate. Some boilers nobody knew needed tending. So this week, as she has been gone, I have found myself in chase mode. I have found myself in more hours of meetings than can possibly be good for a human body. This has been true for many of us on staff, and I want to say on behalf of all of us, thank you for your grace. I also want to say that in the nervous system zone of chase, I forgot something that my predecessor at my last church embodied. Even tending the boiler can be ministry. So I want to remind all of us on this day when we have our mid-year meeting, that this afternoon, the meeting is also church, or at least a meeting at church 
should be church when it is with church people, which means even the nitty gritty of program and budget meetings and motions and voting should embody the love our Unitarian Universalist tradition holds. And church, the kind we're doing right now, is spiritual work. It's not just feel good, though I do hope there's always joy present. It is a workout to strengthen and stretch our capacities to embody the love of our Unitarian Universalist tradition in ourselves so that we might bring it beyond our walls, at least so say our visionary goals. That's the first one of them. So, all of you, welcome to the business of worship right now. Let's crash the meeting into worship and the worship into the meeting because they are all supposed to do the same thing to help us embody love. Today's worship holds a reintroduction to the visionary goals this congregation has been building together, so we are ready to move them forward at church part two today, also known as the mid-year congregational meeting. I hope you'll let yourself get to know the visionary goals again, or for the first time, through the stories of our congregants who are already living them. I hope you'll feel them in your hearts and want them to guide your feet and your hearts into our shared future. Let us light our chalice now. Astrid, will you come help us as we say our words of covenant? Love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. I now invite all of our children and youth to come forward and help me figure out the answer to a problem. So if you come on forward, come on right here. I don't know, is it a spoon race? What is it gonna be? I think it is gonna be cool, Luella. It is gonna be cool. What's in there? Let's see. Okay, we've got some ideas up here. We've tried this before. Some of us have tried this before. Once or twice. What's, what's in here, my dudes? There's some M&Ms in here, and what's this situation happening? What's this called? Is this called a yardstick? Yeah, I know how to do this. A yardstick taped to a what? A spoon. So we're going to get into this, but first, I have to tell you all something about something that's going to happen later in worship. And I'm wondering if you can sit down while we're having this conversation because, yeah, you can sit up here. You can sit up here. We cannot touch any of these guys. You just sit up here, Archer? Is there room? You just squeeze in? It's squished. Is it a little squished up here? All right. Let's get settled. So today, after church, there's a meeting. 
where church continues. That's what Reverend Ashley was just talking about. Church is going to continue later in the afternoon, and members of this church are going to vote on something called the what? Who knows? The fish. Fish. Okay, help him out. What are we voting on? The the visionary goals. So what do you think are visionary goals? What does that mean? What's a visionary goal? A visionary goal might help us make decisions. It might help us move together. It might help us all feed and nourish each other. What else? What might our visionary goals do for us? It helps us what? It helps us find our way. What else? It helps us what? It helps us stay focused. What else? What else does it help us do? What else does it help us do? One more. Help us speak up for truth. Seek opportunities. It helps us seek opportunities. So our visionary goals helps us move together in the direction we want to go, okay? And the thing about visionary goals is, do we think they're about I or do we think they're about we? We! They're about we! That's right. So we're going to do an activity and see what we can figure out. I need five volunteers. Zadie, Luella, Nora. Yeah, you want to do it too? One, two, Nora, Zadie, Archer. Okay, stand up here. Stand up here, my dudes. We're going to get other volunteers in a minute, okay? One, two, three, four, five. We can only have five because we've only got five yardsticks. One, two, three, four, five. All right, Archer, next time you can be, yeah, Nora's up there. All right. So here's the situation. Can each of you grab one of these? Archer, you're going to go in the second round. Or did I say you'll go in the first round? All right, go for it, dude. All right, Zadie, Nora. Did you get one, Zadie? All right. I think Nora did Okay. Use your hearing instead of eyes. Tap, and once you hear that, you spoon in and gab some m and It's a different game than that, but that sounds really fun, and maybe we'll do it another time. All right, can I ask you to give your, your poll to Nora, and then can you be in the second round? Okay. All righty, can you give it to Nora for me, and then you'll be in the second round. All right, this one, Nora. Right here, can you take this one? There you go. All right, and you'll be in the second round. So here's the sitch. We've got five yardsticks and five, what, five vis visionary? Goals! We've got five yardsticks and five visionary goals. Each of you is going to represent one of our visionary goals, okay? Which have fallen out of my pocket. That's fair, Luella. That's fair, Luella. There's five visionary goals. One of our visionary goals is about loving the earth. Who loves loving the earth? Luella, okay, Luella, that's going to be yours. Another one of our visionary goals is about being friends to people when they're really sad or really happy. Who likes doing that? Yeah? You can, that's fair. We can embody all of them. One of, our, one of our visionary goals is about loving our Unitarian Universalist faith and living that out in our lives. Who does that? Yeah, Nora. Nora lives out our Unitarian Universalist faith in our lives. I know. It's so tempting, Luella. One of our visionary goals is about, how would you explain another one? Embodying our social justice commitments. So I think it's between Archer and Zadie. Looking out for justice and caring for other people. Zadie, do you like doing that? Yes, that's 
ZDB Nature, too, okay. And our last visionary goal, sharing leadership. Archer, you do a great job sharing leadership. Can you represent that one? Yes. So here's the sitch, you guys. I want you to hold on to the end of your yardstick. I need the, the, the end without the spoon. The long end and your palm, where's your palm? Where's your palm? Needs to go at the end of your yardstick. So hold it with one hand. Face this way so folks can see you. Show everybody how you're holding. You don't have to balance it, but you can hold it. Face this way. Face the congregation. Hold it. Face this way. Turn around. Turn around. Turn around. All right. Hold it with the very end of your hand. And I'm going to give you each, and now find some space and hold it out straight. Hold it out straight for me, Lua. Okay, Luella. All right, you've got one M&M. Zadie has one M&M. Nora's got one M&M. Are you ready, Archer? For your one M&M and one M&M. Hold on to it with the very end. The very end. Your palm has to be at the very end of your yardstick. I'll, I'll replace it. The very end of your yardstick. Very end. Very end of your yardstick. All right. With keeping your hand on the end of your yardstick, feed yourselves the M&Ms. Feed yourselves the M&Ms. Show me. How are you going to feed yourself the M&Ms? Feed yourself the M&Ms. Feed yourselves the M&Ms. What do I do? Okay, show me. Feed yourselves the M&Ms. Yep, you have to keep your hand on the end of your yardstick. Feed yourselves the M&Ms. Hannah's got an idea. Could you turn it around? No, you can't hold the spoon end. How could you do it? Hold the very end. Could, yeah, you could try a different hand. Nope, you've got to put it in your mouth. You can use both ends, but you've got to get it in your mouth. Okay, so let's do some brainstorming. All right, M&M's down. Let me collect your M&M's. Let me collect your M&M's. You'll get it back. But these ones have fallen on the floor, so you're not going to eat these ones. Archer, can I have that, dude? Uh, all right, so did that work? No. How do you do it? Could you throw it up in the air and catch it? Maybe. What's another idea? So listen... Like that? Then I'll take it. Yeah, you should not eat that. All righty, my dude. So here's the situation. I did not say feed yourself the M&M. I said feed yourselves the M&Ms. Why does that matter? What's another way we could do it? And yes, Archer, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. Take another. Take another M&M. Oh, man, I got green. You got green. Another M&M. Let's try this. Take two. Let's try it. Take two. All right. Feed yourselves the M&Ms. You want to feed Nora? All right, if they fall on the floor, I'll replace it, all right? Thank you. Do you need another one? Who hasn't been fed an M&M yet? Nora, can someone feed Nora an M&M? 
Can you feed Zadie and Eminem? There you go. Can you feed Nora and Eminem? This is also like a dexterity challenge, you guys. Nora, did you get one? Someone's got to feed Nora and Eminem. Feed Nora and Eminem. You want to hold it with your hand, Nora? There you go. All right, so what, yay! Okay, so what did we learn? What did we learn here? Teamwork. We learned about teamwork. Could we feed ourselves the M&Ms? But what could we do? We could feed. We could feed each other. All right, so let's talk about it. How does that connect to our visionary goals? How does that connect to our visionary goals? Who can tell me? How does that connect to our visionary goals? Who out here can tell me? How does that connect to our visionary goals? What did we learn? Yes. Yes, helping each other see their own vision. How else? What else does this tell us about our visionary goals? Can we achieve them alone? No, we can't achieve them alone. We can only achieve them together. We can only achieve them together. Okay, so this is what we learned. We only achieve our visionary goals together, and that's because our visionary goals do not say I. They say us. They say us and we. So as we come together for our church part two, later today, we're going to remember we feed each other at church. We're going to remember that we share at church, that we are all in this together at church. We cannot do church alone. We need each other we come together as a community in love. We share our M&Ms. We, um, we feed each other, right? So now I'm going to invite our children and youth. I'm going to take the yardsticks. If you did not get an M&M and would like one, you can take an M&M. And I'm going to invite all of our children and youth to dismiss back there through the doors to our religious education. I got them. I got the spoons. Thank you all very much. You're welcome, Nora.
Let us settle into the love that holds us and guides us always. Let us feel the pews holding us up, the breath keeping us alive. Let us know love as close as that breath that is always moving through us. Now is the time when we pray, when we hold all that is pain and all that is praise together, when we remember we are not alone, we are holding it all together. What do you need to lift into our collective care to lighten the load or spread the joy? Each time one of us speaks, we will say together, you are not alone. We are holding it together. I'll give you a practice round, okay? Holy source of sanctuary, we pray so much gratitude for our team of 20 Habitat for Humanity volunteers from this short church that built a home of love yesterday. We give them thanks. And we pray that the folks who move into that home will know you are not alone. We are holding it together. For what do you pray? As you are moved, you may speak it aloud or you may hold it nestled in your heart. And at the end of our aloud prayer time, we will name that we are praying what is in your heart together. For those who are striving to be free despite the oppressive situations we find ourselves in, you are not alone. We are holding it together. For those deeply impacted by violence in their lives, you are not alone. We are holding it together. For those grieving loss, you are not alone. We are holding it together. For the people of Ukraine, you are not alone. We are holding it together.
for the people of Palestine, for the people of Israel. You are not alone. We are holding it together. For our newcomer families and and trans refugees, you are not alone. We are holding it together. For all that rests quietly in our hearts, we pray for each other. You are not alone. We are holding it together. Let us hold it now in song as we sing Spirit of Life. Good morning. I'm Deb Keller, one of your worship associates. The fog of anesthesia slowly lifted, and I became more aware of my surroundings. When I opened my eyes, I saw a room full of brightly dressed women surrounding the hospital bed next to mine. Their colorful dresses and hats were in stark contrast to the sterile room we were sharing. These women had skin the color of mahogany. They were beautiful. The bed next to me held a young girl about my age. I was 10 at the time. These beautiful, brightly dressed women each had a hand on her. One of the women noticed me beginning to wake up from my emergency appendectomy, and she moved near me and said, welcome back, dear child, and placed her hand on my forehead. She said they had been praying for me while I was asleep. No one had ever told me they had prayed for me before, and my family regularly attended church. I felt such a sense of comfort and safety and love, 
in the words of this woman I didn't even know with her hand on my forehead. As our families shared the space of this hospital room, we learned that their beloved was dying of leukemia. Still, this family made space for me and my family with such ease and generosity. They invited us to pray and sing with them. They showed me how to make space for joy and grief at the same time. It was my first true understanding of the power of faith and spirit. Their spiritual generosity impacted me deeply. May the space that we share in the richness of our Unitarian Universalist faith generosity in collaboration with our neighboring faiths be a call to action on behalf of our beloved earth and environment. Soon, our ushers will step forward to collect today's offering. In this moment, we have the chance to transform our values into real-world impact. The funds we gather today will support the vital work of Minnesota Interfaith Power and Light. This statewide organization empowers faith communities of all kinds to spearhead the movement for climate movement for climate justice. Our environmental justice team collaborates closely with Minnesota Interfaith uh, Power and Light, using this partnership to amplify our congregation's fight against climate change and other environmental injustices. We acknowledge that generosity takes many forms through prayer, presence, participation, and financial offerings. Still, there are times when we find ourselves in need to receive from our beloved community. If you are currently in a place where you need to receive, know that needing to receive is common to every life's journey. Many of us have found ourselves on a similar path. Please reach out to one of our ministers in person or by email, and they will guide you towards the gifts of resources that we save up to hold you in difficult times. By giving and receiving with grace and generosity, we grow. May this ever be so. The ushers may come forward now to receive the morning's offering. Thank you so much, congregation, for your generosity.
to know someone deeply. To know someone deeply is like hearing the moon through the ocean or having a hawk leave bright leaves at your feet. It seems impossible, even while it happens. Discovering who we are is like breaking a trail up the side of a mountain. Yet the deepest friendships begin when we look into the eye of another and discover that they have been there too. It is always astonishing to me to find out that someone else sees what I have seen and always humbling to learn that what I thought was my path and my mountain is everyone's. We carry whole worlds within us as we brush by each other in the supermarket to read mayonnaise jars. The entire drama of life churns in our blood as we rush underground to catch a train. We are always both so known and so unknown. This is why knowing someone deeply is such a treasure. It opens up the sky of all time. It lets the song come out of the sea. It lets the heart, like a photograph, be developed for being touched by another. And though we may find someone along the way who's been where we are going or going where we have been, we must never stop breaking up our own trail up the mountain. For only by daring to be ourselves can we deeply know others. This reading is by Mark Nebo from the Book of Awakenings. Never lost a battle. 
stand by me. In the midst of faults and failures, stand by me. and failures stand by me A poet writes, the most beautiful artwork comes from us. Our lives are like a mosaic. Sometimes we have to break apart in order to remake ourselves. That's the beauty of life. With each trial, we are constructing new and different versions of ourselves, sculpting into a beautiful masterpiece. Earlier this week, Reverend Harness, uh, also known as the other Reverend Ashley H, for the purposes of this service. She's Reverend Ashley H, and you're the other Reverend Ashley H. All right. Earlier this week, Reverend Harness shared that today's message was a mosaic composed of different voices coming together to make a whole. I wondered in that conversation if she was nodding toward our brokenness. And she said, not exactly, but what do you mean? To which I replied in the spirit of that poem that each of us is always being made, unmade and remade, cells regenerating all the time, spirit ebbing and flowing, wounds healing, and sometimes new wounds being created. We are always broken and becoming whole in our lives, amongst us in community. Relationships fraying and mending and fraying again, and in the wider world where we heal and break and heal and break, broken and becoming all at the same time. This is the context for our shared life together, broken 
and becoming and trying to move together toward a more beloved community. And it is with that larger direction, that larger collective becoming in mind, that we receive this morning the hearts, the spirits, and the minds of those who deliver this morning's message. In just a moment, we will be hearing from Rasana Mamdani, a member of our youth leadership team, about shared youth leadership. She also happens to be my kid. <laughs> we'll be hearing from Jean Guion speaking about meaningful presence in times of joy and grief. And we will be hearing from the Reverend Ashley Haran, also known as the other Reverend Ashley H., newly named Vice President of Programs and Ministries at the Unitarian Universalist Association. This is a big deal, y'all. <laughs> Reverend Ashley will be speaking to our aspirations for justice and for care of the earth. My name is Rasana Mamdani, and I am a member of our church's youth leadership team. This team, composed of 10th through 12th graders, was formed in September and has been working diligently to advocate for the issues that resonate with the youth of our congregation. From advising on this year's Christmas pageant to planning senior high curriculum and events, the youth leadership team plays a huge role in shaping the experiences of youth and children within our church. Beyond just event planning, we engage in discussions on matters that concern youth, ensuring that youth voices are heard and incorporated into the decision-making process. One of the youth leadership team's key commitments is to foster communication channels between youth and adults in the congregation. One of the ways that we do this is by having one or two youth representatives serve at board meetings each month. These youth serve as spokespeople, allowing our collective youth voice to be heard more distinctly in matters of the church's governance. Having grown up in this church, I have seen the ways in which this church, our children and youth programs have changed. The establishment of the youth leadership team underscores the church's commitment to centralizing new, centering new voices and creating a space for youth to contribute meaningfully. By prioritizing and listening to voices that are usually overlooked, not only are we leaning into our UU values of inclusion, but we are also actively participating, practicing what we preach by listening more fully to all members of our church community. I invite you to learn more about the youth leadership team's work by joining us downstairs in the social hall after service where we have a table at Sign Up Sunday. We are more than happy to talk about our initiatives, upcoming events, and ways in which you, as adults, can get involved with us. Regardless of age, your curiosity and participation are crucial in creating a beloved community where all voices are heard and included in the decision-making process. The youth leadership team is just one of the many ways First Universalist is expanding its ideas of leadership and who can participate in it. Together, let us continue to cultivate a beloved community where every voice, regardless of age, background, or identity, contributes to the ever-unfolding journey of our church.
Good morning. My name is Jean Guion. I use she, her pronouns. And before I begin, I just want to thank those I mention here as I speak who have graciously given me permission to share their stories and words. I joined First Universalist Church almost 14 years ago to become part of a faith community that not only focused on individual and communal spiritual growth and had a focus on social and racial justice, but also a place where I could form meaningful connections, a community where I could be there for others and they for me during important life transitions. This was and continues to be the right place for me. Often when in small circles and groups, doing committee work, social justice activities, and more, I felt this meaningful presence with others here. We shared everyday aspects of life, but it was at times of significance that I felt this connection even more deeply. Sharing joy at the marriages of my children and the births of my grandchildren. In periods of grief with the death of my parents and brother-in-law and struggles in the lives of my friends. And in phases of change, most notably my divorce eight years ago. Ministers, staff, and more importantly, many congregants were there with me, listening, caring, building a shared experience of mutual support. And at times I've been able to provide this for others as well, feeling that deep sense of receiving while giving. In the past few weeks, I'm grateful to have experienced this sense of meaningful presence from this congregation in a profound way. My partner of four years, Tom Allen, and I had been exploring ways to help his wife, Julie, in her end-of-life journey. Julie was diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's about 15 years ago, and Tom was looking for ways to create a loving and supported way where Julie could let go. It was time. Her long journey with this disease was at a final stage. And yes, you heard me right. Tom and I are in a loving, committed relationship at a time when he is still married. I never thought I'd do that, but it was less complicated than it may sound. In the early phase, Tom and Julie had agreed to this possibly happening. They decided to make meaning of their Alzheimer's journey together. They were part of support groups, presented at conferences, were interviewed by the Star Tribune, and helped found the now international Giving Voice Choir for people with dementia and their caregivers. They knew there would come a point when they would still be together, but not on the same path, and that where each was going, the other couldn't fully follow. He told her he'd stay with her throughout her journey. And Julie wanted him to go on to love another if that was meant to be. Their love was oh so deep. 
Tom and I have appreciated how so many people have understood and affirmed our relationship, including many of you here in this community. Tom courageously chose to bring Julie home from memory care in early January of this year. He was able to do this with support from those closest to them with an end-of-life doula and a wonderful hospice team. He knew he wanted to make this a sacred time, a time of vigil, in addition to caring for Julie's physical needs. Tom has his own faith community and an incredible personal support system. I also reached out to my people and my faith community here at First U, sharing about what we felt was a comp compassionate and loving and, yes, difficult act. When Reverend Ashley asked me, so how are you doing, Jean? What do you need? I at first said, I'm fine. Lots of people are there for me, which was true. But when she suggested, what if we do a parallel vigil here with a small group of people you choose to support you along with Julie and their family? I was deeply touched. Yes, please, I'd like that. Ashley organized it all. I have no idea what it took. I'm sure a lot. I'm just very, very grateful. For six days, while we held physical and spiritual vigil with Julie, the small First U group held daily vigil online with poetry, beautiful photos of lit chalices, and such supportive and caring words. I read this each day, and at times shared it with Tom, and even read some of the poetry to Julie as I sat with her by her bedside. It was comforting, beautiful, and it built community among all of us. Some of the online vigil participants wrote, I am honored to have been here, making space with deep presence and awe. Another, this vigil is taking my heart and my spirit many places and back again. I appreciate the powerful and meaningful words shared. And another, thank you for letting us hold you in the brilliance of love on this journey. It's been such an honor. When we're invited into these places of vulnerability with each other, there is deep connection and meaning making. I am so grateful to be part of this beloved First Universalist Church community. I am, as has been teased, the other Reverend Ashley H. among you. I use she and her pronouns. And I have the honor of being an affiliated community minister and a member of this congregation and also a part of the national staff of our Unitarian Universalist Association, or UUA. Since 2019, until this coming Wednesday, I have served as the UUA's organizing strategy director, 
leading the incredible team that holds the national social justice work of our faith under the banner of Side With Love. We're the ones behind those yellow shirts that so many of you sport with pride. My time at the UUA has been an incredibly volatile one for the earth and for humanity. From global pandemic to rising authoritarianism, to climate collapse and unceasing war. My tenure at Side With Love has included the global uprising in response to the murder of George Floyd, the January 6th attempted coup and insurrection, the fights over Line 3, Cop City, the rise of Moms for Liberty and the fall of Roe v. Wade, an unchecked and ongoing genocide in Palestine that has killed more than 25,000 people, and a wave of anti-trans legislative attacks so devastating that experts predict that more than half of the states in our nation will be life-threatening or uninhabitable by trans and non-binary folks by 2026. But what has saved me from despair over and over again is watching as our UU congregations have claimed their place as a part of larger people-powered movements for justice, for healing, refusing to accept the nihilism of apathy and hopelessness. I wanna tell you about the UU congregation in Dallas, Texas that has developed a partnership with an abortion clinic in Albuquerque that provides funding and logistical support and travel accompaniment and spiritual care to dozens of pregnant people every month who wouldn't otherwise be able to access life-saving reproductive and abortion care. I want you to know about volunteers from an ever-expanding network of UU congregations around the country who are regularly opening their homes to strangers, to trans and non-binary people forced to flee hundreds or thousands of miles to access health care to find safer places to live. I want to make sure you know about the 25 UU Good Trouble congregations, ranging in size from 20 to more than 1,000 members who, during the 2022 UU The Vote program, averaged 20 postcards, letters, calls, or door knocks per member, two registered voters or 200 texts per member, who supported at least two congregants in becoming line warmers or poll workers or poll watchers or engaged in 20% or more of their membership taking pro-democracy actions. I want to make sure you are praying with me for the cohort of UUs from Atlanta and across the country who have phone banked and protested, door knocked, provided jail support, and literally put their bodies in front of bulldozers to stop the environmentally devastating, morally corrupt construction of the militarized police training complex in Atlanta known as Cop City. I want to make sure we recognize together the UU clergy and lay folks in North Carolina who have spearheaded the beginning of a multi-faith, multi-organizational rapid response network capable of quickly mobilizing mass numbers of folks to provide faithful witness in real time, doing everything from showing up at the state capitol to protest 
legislation and, and target legislators to forming physical barriers around polling places when armed white supremacist groups who also happen to be the police officers in that place, like the Oath Keepers, when they show up to intimidate voters. I want to name the cluster of UU congregations who, do who dove in a couple weeks ago, offering their buildings and their parking lots as spaces, as hubs for canvas teams leading signature collection drives across Florida in a statewide partner-led campaign to push forward a ballot initiative that would undo the current six-week abortion ban. What do these stories share in common? They are all our fellow Unitarian Universalist siblings in faith, but they are also examples of congregations that are prioritizing external impact over internal politics. They are churches that are waist deep in the complex work of imperfect partnership. Communities that understand in their bones that they cannot do the work alone, no matter how big or small they are. As this congregation affirms our visionary goals today, as we commit to pursue our individual and collective work for justice in relationship with those most affected by systems of oppression, and to foster our connection with, our care for, and action on behalf of Earth's environment and all of life, I pray that we will keep leaning into solidarity over charity that we will resist the falsehood that one justice issue is more urgent or important than another, that we will do the sole work of continuing to build relationships within, among, and beyond this congregation that are defined by low ego, high trust, deep impact, and tenacious hope. To paraphrase the poet Adrian Rich, our hearts are moved by all we cannot save. So much has been destroyed. We have to cast our lot with those who age after age, perversely and with no extraordinary power, reconstitute the world. May it be so, my friends. Blessed be, Ashe, and amen.
as you go forth, remember this, that the beloved community that we seek is not a destination, but a process that we make together. As we come together in community, as we mingle our call with all who will share, journeying toward a planet transformed by our care. Go in peace, may it be so, and amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming community that finds strength in the diversity of identities of all who find inspiration and comfort here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text FIRSTUNIV, that's F-I-R-S-T-U-N-I-V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.